Luke 23, um, verses 32 to 45, or 43. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to a cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And a soldier scambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. This man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when I come, when you, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God. Thanks, Jim. Hello, can you hear me? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh my gosh, they've let him on stage without a guitar. What's going to happen? I feel weird with this Justin Bieber mic that I've got rather than my my little mic that I usually like. But um, I'm excited um, to share the word of God. What a privilege it is. And what an amazing thing it is to have the word of God that we are able to look at to see what Jesus has done for us and see what that means for us today. And um, I was thinking about this last night because I was thinking about the big fight Last night, did you, no one, surely no one watched it live at five o'clock this morning. I hope not. If anyone's fallen asleep, I know why. And, uh, it's like, we're in a fight as well. And the Bible says that we're not in a fight against the flesh or people. We're in a fight against principalities of darkness and spiritual realms because there is a spiritual realm. It's very real. There is a real enemy and He's jabbing us, and he's, he's had a couple of goals at me this year since I started my ministry, and he keeps having a go, he keeps having a go, and we take the word of God, and he just smashes him, and he can do nothing about it, and it's amazing, so I want that to do, maybe the devil's having a go at you, and he's, he's saying, God isn't real today, giving you a little jab, he's saying, you don't need Jesus, he's giving you a go, and we're going to take the word of God, and we're just going to knock him out, because there's no place for him in this place, this is the house of God, um, so... Thanks, Jen, for reading, and I love that story, one of my favorite stories about the thief on the cross, the last-minute salvation, that thief that was on the cross for the punishment he deserved, and he was saved, and right now he's in heaven with Jesus, and that's incredible. See, the need for salvation is what we're um, hearing about today, and the need for salvation is our greatest need, and uh, my dad was saying at the start, what is a need? I mean, to me, it's something you can't live without. And we need salvation. And you may think that you can get on without Jesus in this life. But I promise you there will come a day when you stand before him and you realize that you need him for your eternal life. He is the only way. See, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection on the third day is not just an important piece of history. It is the most important piece of history. And every single one of us needs to make a decision on what the death and resurrection of Jesus means to us. Every single one of us. But as we heard, and Laura did, I know everyone says it every time they come and preach. They say, oh, Laura's already said it all, and I've had to say it again. So we just add into what she's saying. Because that day, the cross of Jesus was not the only cross on that hill. And in that prayer 
we, we put our three fingers up to remember there was three crosses. And that center cross was where Jesus Christ died and two thieves on either side of him. Both criminals. Both being punished for what they had done. They deserved to die. And in the middle you've got Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the perfect spotless Lamb who has given his life for the sin of the world. You've got these two criminals. And in one sense, you could argue that these two criminals represent all of humanity. Because you've got the one who scoffs at Jesus, mocks him, laughs at him. And ultimately, he is rejecting who Jesus is. And on the other side, you've got the criminal who is guilty, yet he accepts Jesus for who he is, the Son of God, the King of Kings, and humbles himself before Christ and is saved. So I want you to notice they they were both criminals. They were both being punished for the crimes they had committed. They were both faced with a crucified Christ between them. Yet only one of them was told, today you will be with me in paradise. The only difference between these two at this time was their response to Christ. And the same is true of us today. What you do with Jesus is everything. What you do with Jesus will determine where you spend eternity. One of those thieves will be in heaven forever. And the other one will spend eternity in hell. It's not a popular teaching, but it's true. It's a real place. And I always get emotional talking about it because we don't understand the gravity of what that means. I always think the heaven is going to be so much better than we can ever imagine. So much better. But on the other side, hell is so much worse than anything we can imagine. And people are going there because they're not accepting the free gift that God is offering through Jesus Christ. That's the reason Jesus was there dying between them. He didn't have to. But he was doing it to save those two thieves. He was doing it from both. And he's doing it for us today. So let's take a a look at at both of these criminals. It's important to to see the difference, to see what it means. So the first thief says in Luke 23, 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. This is so sad. This criminal is literally watching Jesus dying beside him. And Jesus is dying to save people like him. And yet the criminal looks at him and mocks him, even as he's dying on a cross. If you're so special, Jesus, prove it to me. That's what he's saying. And this is the reaction of so many people to God even today. Go on in God. Let's see how good you are. Let's see how great you really are. Prove yourself to me. I want to say this gently and lovingly, but God doesn't need to prove anything to you. God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't need to do anything that we tell him to do. But I want to say that he has proved himself. He proves himself every single day. The Apostle Paul could get a bit fiery at times. And he writes in Romans 1. They know, he's speaking about people, they know the truth about God. Because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. If you want proof of God, just go outside and open your eyes. There's no way that this world was created out of nothing. There is a creator and he is almighty God. Just look at your body. Think about how it works. 
the intricate details. Think about how this planet is in the perfect place in this universe to sustain life. A little bit further away from the sun, we couldn't live. A little bit closer to the sun, it'd be too hot. We're in the perfect place. God has created this planet for us. The truth is that God has revealed himself. And those who reject him choose not to see him in his creation. Instead, our society worships people and things. And they're missing out on the creator, their father in heaven. They are rejecting the truth. So what I want to ask is, could Jesus have proved himself to that thief right there on the cross that he was God? Could he? Of course he could have. Of course he could have. When Jesus was arrested before his trial and crucifixion, he says to his disciples, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put to my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Even when Jesus was dying on that cross, he could have called those angels there to take him off. Even at that last minute, if it was too much for him, he could have said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to take myself off the cross. He had the power. The same is true here as he's dying on the cross. He knew it had to happen. He knew he had to die. That he couldn't take himself off. If he didn't die, there could be no forgiveness of sins for you today. There would be no perfect sacrifice. And we would still be dead in our sins today. I want you to listen to this. This is so important. You see, Jesus proved his love for you, not by taking himself off the cross, but by staying on it. I'll say it again. Jesus proved his love for you, not by taking himself off the cross, but by staying on it. He didn't have to do that. He chose to die. No one takes away Jesus' life. He says that he gives it. Because he, he, he loves you so much that he wants that relationship with you. And this is the only way that the punishment could be taken. And if you still need proof that he's God, by the way, on the third day he rose again and showed his power over death. Is that not enough for us? And he appeared to hundreds of people, guys. And it's written down. He is God. He's power over death. But the cross had to happen first. One more point about this other thief. The second part of what he says, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. See, if we read into what he's saying, he's trying to make it out as if he's saying, oh, Jesus, save yourself. You know, you're God, you can save yourself. But the reality is that he's only thinking about himself. His true motives are shown when he says, oh, and save us too while you're at it. This is another thing we do with God. We say, what are you going to do for me, God? What are you going to do for me? One one day I might follow you, but first you're going to have to do this for me. You're going to have to do this thing that I'm asking you to do. We don't accept Jesus because we put what we want before what God wants. I don't know, maybe you're suffering in your life. There's something in your life that you want to get rid of, that you wish was gone. And often we do this and we say, oh God, please help me. Even if you don't believe in him, God, please help me. The reality is you don't want him, you just want him to make your life easier. And then you'll forget about him. And the truth is that that thief, probably, if Jesus got him off that cross, he would have gone back to his old life unchanged. Because he just wanted to be off the cross, he just wanted to stop his suffering. He didn't see Jesus for who he was. 
He wasn't accepting Jesus for who he was. The heartbreaking thing about this is that while this man is mocking Jesus, saying, come on, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me, Jesus? Jesus could have turned around and looked at him and said, this is what I'm doing for you. Shedding my blood on this cross for you. So that you can know your father. He could have said it. If only that thief could have seen Jesus for who he was. Both of those criminals on that cross would have been in paradise with him today. But only one is there. Maybe that's how you feel today. Like that criminal you're suffering. And you want Jesus to get you off that cross. But you don't want him. And that's not how it works. We want him. We want Jesus. Because he's so amazing. One of the questions people ask all the time is, if there is a good God, then why is there suffering in the world? I'm I'm sure you've heard this before. The answer is simple, because God gave us free will. And we decided to disobey God. We decided to go our own way. And our sin has created the mess that this world is in. Our sin has created our suffering. This is what we do. We try and point the finger at everyone else. Say, no, it's not me. It's not me. We do the same with God. It's unbelievable. How can we blame God for the mess that we've made? Now, God could have looked at this world and said, look at the mess they've made of it. I want nothing more to do with these people. If they want hell, then they can have it. But he didn't. Instead, he sent his only son into this broken world. And he chose to suffer and die at the hands of those people that he had created so that we could be reconciled to him. So that we could have that relationship with God that we were created to experience. You were created to know your father in heaven. He wants to share his love with you. That's the only reason we're here. So that he can share this amazing love that he's got to give. And he gives and he gives and he gives. See, we ask the wrong question. The real question is this. Even in our suffering, why would Jesus come and enter into it? And the answer is simple, because he loves you. Because he's desperate to have that relationship with you, so much so that he gave his life. So could Jesus have taken that thief off the cross? Yes. But instead, he chose to suffer right next to him. Even today, when you accept Jesus, whatever you're going through, he promises to be right next to you. Suffering with you. If only that thief had trusted in Jesus as his saviour, his suffering would have been over forever. But instead, that man will suffer forever, the punishment that he deserves for rejecting Christ. So let's turn our attention to the other thief who was on the other side of Jesus. And I just love this story. See, the crucifixion of Christ is an amazing thing. On one hand, it's one of the worst and most cruel ways... That man has ever invented to kill someone. The pain would have been unimaginable. Excruciating pain. And a lot of you know that word excruciating comes actually from the cross. It just means the worst pain you can imagine. It is an ugly, ugly thing. Yet as we look at the crucifixion of Jesus. There is beauty here. Last week Pastor Doug mentioned the way Jesus looked at his mother. And cared about his mother from the cross. And this week, as we look about, hear about this thief, it's another beautiful moment that was recorded for us to hear about. Jesus speaks to him one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. I assure you today, 
you will be with me in paradise. So how was Jesus able to say that to this thief, this sinner, this man that was getting what he deserved? In other words, what does it take for us to be able to be with God forever? You know, it's no good me standing here talking about the need for salvation if we're not going to talk about how to meet that need. How do we come to know Jesus? How are we saved? How do I not get the punishment that I deserve? So let's look at the couple of things that this thief says. The first, in Luke twenty-three forty, the thief recognizes the foolishness of the other one. He says, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? The two men were in exactly the same position either side of Jesus. And he's saying to the other one, what, what are you doing? We're dying. Surely now is the time that you need to start thinking about where you stand with God. He, see, he realized that his earthly life was coming to an end. That when he died, he would be faced with an almighty, holy God. And he knew that God was to be feared. And we've, we've lost a little bit of that fear of God in our society. And we need to remember who God is. And that he has the power to end your life, not just now, but forever. See, in one sense, we're all like those thieves. All of us are dying. This life is coming to an end at some point, And we don't know when it is. And we'll all stand before God one day, I promise you. Don't be like that thief who didn't fear God even in his last moments when he knew he was going to die moments later. And don't wait until you're going to die to think about your relationship with God. Now is the time to think about where you are with God. Verse 41 says, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. See, the two criminals were being punished for their crimes and they actually deserve to die. These two criminals were being punished justly. And Jesus had done nothing wrong. It's so unfair what happened to Jesus. But it had to happen. See, the same could be said about us. We are all guilty. No matter who you are. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like Laura was saying, you might think you're okay. But we've got stuff on that rope in our lives. We've all got that stuff hanging off us. None of us are perfect. None of us have lived exactly like God wants us to live. We've let him down. We disobey him. We ignore him. We go our own way. We've messed up. We deserve to be punished for our sin. We deserve to die like those thieves. We deserve to go to hell. See, none of us have lived a perfect life. And that's what it takes to be able to have a relationship with God. Is absolute perfection. Does that make sense? God's standard is absolute perfection. And if you do one thing wrong, you haven't reached perfection. You cannot be with God. And I'm sure we'll all agree, we've all done more than one thing wrong. So I know every day I mess up. I lie, I cheat, I'm jealous, I'm angry, like Laura was saying. I am all of those things. And I've fallen so far from where God has called me to be. But you see, when Jesus died on that cross, he bridges the gap between us and God. That we can come back to him. That we can experience that relationship. And as if you've never done anything wrong. That's amazing. The grace of God. That is why we need Jesus. When he died, he died for our sins. Not his, because he didn't sin once. He died for us. It was our sins that were punished. See, when Jesus died, he did nothing wrong. But there was punishment being carried out. But it wasn't for him, it was for us. The Bible puts it this way in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. 
See, death is what we deserve. Wages is what you get for you worked for. And we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is everlasting life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that sound like a good deal to you? We deserve death, but God gives us eternal life. Because we've done anything? No. Because we deserve it? Certainly not. Because Jesus Christ died. And it's through him and his grace alone that we can have this everlasting life. So what did the thief do? He acknowledged that he deserved to be punished. That he deserved to die. And he acknowledged Jesus' perfection. We must do the same. The thief goes on in verse 42. He says, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. What a beautiful verse. He acknowledges Jesus as king. He sees Jesus for who he is. He's saying. This other criminal is mocking you. These religious leaders. Are laughing at you. But I believe you. I believe you are the king of kings. And you are going to rule in your kingdom. That lies beyond this earth. After this you're going to be king Jesus. He sees Jesus for who he is. And as far as I could tell, this thief wasn't expecting anything from Jesus. He's simply saying, I believe, with a feeble, humble plea. Saying, could you save me, Jesus? Could you? And Jesus turns to him and says, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. He's saying, by accepting me now, you will be with me forever in heaven. That is amazing news. I want to tell you that Jesus is offering you that today. Today you can know that you will be with him in paradise. That your sins can be forgiven. That you can start a new life with God. But you must do like that thief on the cross. Firstly, we must acknowledge our sin. That we have not reached God's perfect standard, none of us. That we are not good enough by anything that we can do. That we deserve to be punished. See, we must repent Which means saying sorry for all those things that we do and by turning away from them. By going the other way. That's what repentance means. Secondly, we must acknowledge Jesus' perfection. That he is the son of God. That he lived a perfect life. And because of that, his death on the cross, we can be forgiven and washed clean. We must accept that it is only through Jesus that we can repay our broken relationship with God. Believing that on the third day he rose again to show his power over death and to bring us new life. And lastly, we need to make Jesus Lord and King of our lives. That we will no longer live for ourselves, but we will live for him. When we invite him into our hearts and lives, we tell him, you can take over, Jesus. Your will be done and not mine. And we follow him, whatever that costs. See, his disciples that had followed him all his life died for him. Would you do the same? Do you love Jesus that much? If it was a gun to your head, could you say, I will not deny my Lord? I would die for Jesus because he died for me. That is what it takes to have a relationship with God. If you just want Jesus for the stuff he can get get you, if you just want Jesus because you want to be off that cross, then you don't deserve him. If you want Jesus, you want him for him, for who he is. Because he is the best friend. Because he is a wonderful saviour. Because he is the king of kings. And because he wants you to be in heaven. And he wants to save you from the punishment that we deserve. That is why we accept Christ. And it's free. 
It is free for you today. One more thought to finish. I feel like Doug now. One more thing. See, the thief on the cross was saved in his final moments on earth. His final moments. He knew he was going to die and accepted Jesus in the final hours of his life. He didn't have time to go back to the people he had hurt and apologize and make things right. He didn't have time to go to church to show what an amazing Christian I am. He didn't have time to help the homeless, to give to charity. Yet he is in heaven right now. Because it's not what you do that saves you. And religion can tell you this. is what you do is how much you do. And it's not right. It's not what you do that saves you. It's where your trust is. And only by placing your trust in Jesus Christ. On that cross he knew he had to make a decision. And every single one of us has to make that decision. But not all of us will get a cross. And what I mean by that is that thief knew he was dying. We might not get that. Some of us have news that we're going to die, that we have an illness that we can't recover from. Suddenly you remember that you have to know where you are with God. But not all of us will get that. Like Laura was saying, that 14-year-old girl, praise God she had given her life to Christ before then. But she wasn't expecting to be killed in that car crash. Not all of us will get those final few hours when we know our lives are going to end. Be sure that even if... If you accept Jesus with your final breath, you will still go to heaven. I want to make that clear. God's grace is that amazing that even if you've rejected him through all your life, on that final second, if you accept him, you will be in heaven. But the tragedy is, none of us know when that will be. And many people will not experience eternal life because they said to themselves, I'll accept Jesus later. And they never got later. Jesus is telling you, today you can be with me in paradise. We are all going to spend eternity somewhere. There is a life after this life here on earth. That is truth. The Bible is extremely clear about that. So how do we get God's approval? Only through Jesus. We will all stand before Jesus Christ one day. So are you going to be like that first thief who mocks Jesus? Doesn't acknowledge who he is, who rejects him? Or are you going to be like the other thief on the cross who accepted that he was a sinner, that he deserved to be punished and accepted Jesus for who he was and accepted the salvation that Jesus offers? The thief made a last minute decision. I want to make it clear again that it's never too late. It's never too late to accept Jesus in this life. Whatever you've done, whatever you've done, he he loves you so much, he'll forgive you if you only call out to him and repent. But when this life is over, then so is your opportunity to accept what Jesus has done for you. This life is what it's all about. It's one decision. I always think that we think about this life way too much and think so little about our next life. See, this life, ultimately, only one decision matters. And that decision is, what did you do with Jesus Christ? Everything else is secondary. Because this life is going to last 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years, if you're lucky. We're talking about eternity, where you're going to be forever. Jesus is offering you that eternal life today. And I just want to make it clear that it's not just an amazing life in heaven. It's an amazing life now. I know Doug said it plenty of times. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on the plate while you wait. And I'm a living testimony of that. My life since accepting Jesus, I can't believe 
how amazing God is. How amazing he is. And just to know that even when I'm suffering, that God is there with me. It's unbelievable. He is so good. Jesus said, I've come to give you life to the full. And I don't believe that just means in heaven. I believe that means right now. Jesus is offering you a full life. And a lot of you experienced it. Jesus is telling you right now, today, you can be with me in paradise. So what, what are you waiting for? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. And if you're thinking, I'll accept Jesus later, but I want to do this first, that I'll see if I need him. You don't know who he is. You don't understand. He is worth everything. He is worth giving up your whole life for. Because he gave up his for you. So I'm just going to pray to finish. So if we could all bow our heads just in respect. And I can't really talk about the need for salvation without asking if anyone feels the need of that salvation. Do you know where you stand with God? Have you accepted Jesus for yourself? If not, then if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on that cross for you, that you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you believe Jesus rose again, and that he has died and rose to give you new life, and you want to experience that with him, Jesus is saying, today, you can accept me and you can be with me in paradise when you die. So if that's you today, I just want you to look up at me. But I tell you this, that it's never too late. If you take anything away from today, it's never too late to accept Jesus in this life. He loves you so much. He desperately wants to be with you forever in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for dying on that cross for our sins. That even though you did nothing wrong, you were punished for us, Jesus. That you shed your blood so that we could be washed clean. Lord, I thank you that we can do anything of ourselves. It is only through you. And we just acknowledge your grace once again this morning, Jesus. And I just pray for those of us that don't know you yet, Lord, that you would just open our eyes to see you for who you are, to see the amazing life that you offer. And that even if it's with our last breath, Lord, we would accept you into our lives that we might be with you in heaven forever, that we might be saved from the punishment that we deserve. Lord, help us never to forget who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.